Alrighty, everybody. Thank you for tuning in to Armchair MMA. This is Joshua, and I am going to be covering UFC 266 today. Uh, and a couple other things, right? There's been quite a bit of time between 265 and 266, so I'm going to talk about a couple of the other little things that have come up between here and there. But, uh, you know, the, the big thing on the agenda is Alexander Volkanovsky. Uh, defending his title again against Brian Ortega. Um, man, it was a great fight. Uh, you know, I feel like Alexander Volkanovsky was pretty effectively in control the entire fight. Um, I feel like Brian Ortega, when he threatened with his submissions, definitely um, threatened in the most threatening ways, right? Like, I feel like Brian probably came the closest to finishing the fight with um, that guillotine that he dove on at one point. And then I also feel like he probably came the second closest to finishing the fight whenever he locked in that triangle real late, um, you know, given Chael Sun and PTSD flashbacks. Um, but, you know, there was a point where um, Volkanovski had gotten on top towards the end of one of the rounds, I can't remember which round, and put in some real, real good work where if he'd not had another minute, he might have finished that fight. So... You know, it, it, nothing to take away from Volko. He's an absolute monster. Absolute monster. I had frankly been hoping that Brian Ortega would win because I feel like that would have been the quickest way for Max Holloway to get in there and get that belt. I'm a huge Max Holloway fan. I mean, I believe, like, while these guys were fighting, Max Holloway was, like, fucking streaming video games like a king. You know what I'm saying? My type of guy. So, um... You know, definitely, definitely, I'm always going to be pulling for Max. So, you know, sorry, Volko, I was pulling for Ortega because it was a backdoor way for Max to get back there and get his belt, which I feel like he should have earned back during the second fight. But we won't digress that far off into all that. (coughs) (coughs) Valentina Shevchenko, (laughs) destroyer. What a destroyer. (laughs) I mean... Lauren Murphy was basically like, I got skills to beat that female. Like <laughs> she's a queen. She really is. I mean, she's she's so technical. Anybody who's really like really into mixed martial arts and likes technique and likes seeing things, likes seeing the martial arts mixed up effectively and seeing everything done with like precision and accuracy, then like, man, you're gonna nut every time you watch Valentina Shevchenko fight. It's just exceptional right like she's she's the fighter's fighter she's the one that every every fighter watches and goes god damn i wish i was doing it as good as her which shout out to lauren murphy she's from alaska but she trains in houston h-town you know i'm a texas boy so um i was really really pulling for her but i think we all knew deep down that valentina's that sniper she's gonna get that job done um the elephant in the room is the whole Nick Diaz, Robbie Lawler deal. Um, Robbie looked great. I'm not going to take anything away from Robbie Lawler whatsoever. Um, you know, he deserves all the positives, right? He went out there and, you know, like they said in their interviews, I think they did a really good job of finding the balance between, like, that just testosterone-fueled bull and, you know, a seasoned veteran who's using his mind in there to fight. And I think he turned it on when he needed to turn it on. And I think he uh, played it smart when he needed to play it smart. And he got the finish, right? No, that's what you're supposed to do, right? He went in there and got the job done clinically and professionally. 
Um, and, you know, absolute props to Robbie Lawler. Nick Diaz did not look the best. I love Nick Diaz. I love Nate Diaz. I've been a Diaz voice fan since forever. And, uh, man, didn't look the best. Um, you know, appeared, appeared uh, not quite where he needed to be mentally or physically in there. And, uh, you know, uh, it seems like there are some weird circumstances going on around it, right? It seems like he doesn't even know who his manager is, and it seems like, like almost like he wasn't really given a proper heads up for all of this. Um, like he was literally only given six weeks to train. I don't know. I'm not going to make any excuses for the guy, man. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of people are giving him a hard time because he quit or whatever. And, uh, you know, I don't know, man, I feel like, um, when you're a veteran in the sport, right. And you know, whenever you're effectively in checkmate, it's like a fair play to concede, right? I'm not mad at him that he didn't go in there and just get beat up by Robbie Lawler for any longer, and he absolutely had to. He knew what was up. We knew what was up as people who were watching. Uh, I think anybody who was really being objective about what was happening knew what, knew what was happening and knew where it was trending, right? And I think that uh, you know, Nick Diaz saved himself some damage. It's just the honest truth. Um, so, you know, hey, I'm a bopper to the point that I'm not even going to give him a hard time for going out the way he went out. Um, you know, Curtis Blades went in there, got it done clinically, right? I think he got three takedowns in total, like one around and one each round from doing it that way, you know. Um, you know, you, you want to say that Biggie Boy Rosenstrom needs to develop a skill set, right? But, I mean, honestly, he did pretty good, you know. I mean, honestly, like he, he couldn't get up, but, I mean, not many guys can get up off the ground. You got to either be better technically than Curtis, which no one is, or got to be stronger than Curtis, which you know, no one is. Right, I think like maybe Derek Lewis can like just stand up with Curtis Blades on top of him, and it's like whatever. But um, you know, very very few people can deal with him on top. You know, he he, Jarzinho seemed like he had effectively defended some pretty good takedowns at points. So um, you know, just once he got down, he had a lot of trouble getting back up. Which you, know, you have a six foot fucking three, two hundred sixty five pound humongous ass world class athlete in. Curtis Blades on top of you, you know, so I can't, I can't take nothing away from Jarzinho, he's excellent talent, he's gonna, you know, his stock didn't go down because he lost to Curtis Blades, you know, Curtis Blades is where, uh, where heavyweight win streaks go to die, right, the Curtis literally only has losses to Francis and Derek, right, that's it, like, the two biggest punchers on the, on the roster, right, like, Francis drops bombs on him two times, and, um, Derek just, with his, underrated fight IQ um, drilled the proper stuff and saw what was coming and, you know, caught him. You know, he's got that type of power. You know, he's a, Derek's a live dog in every fight because of that power. And so, you know, that's why if you gambled on Derek, you'd have made some bread that day. Um, Jessica Andrade went out there and uh, got it done against Cynthia Cavio in the first round. Looked fantastic. She's, she's fantastic. She's an amazing talent. Um, you know, I don't know who I don't know who gets it done against you know she she looked bad against Valentina Shevchenko you know but hey man who just there's a gap there's a gap between Shevchenko and the rest of that division unfortunately just is what it is um man Marlon Marias I am a fan right like he he slept the funk master but like
you know, I don't want to say anything ugly about somebody who goes in there and does what they do because, you know, I have a lot of respect for everybody who does this sport. But um, it definitely seems like if, if he doesn't make it, if he doesn't get you out of there in the first round, his morale takes a turn for the worst, right? And, um, yeah, Marab is a fucking savage. Um, I mean, I thought that Marlon had him taxed, man. I thought that Marlon had it, and I think Marlon thought he had it, and, um, he did not have it, and uh, Marlon fought his way back, or uh, Murub, rather, fought his way back, and wound up getting the TKO right, right at the end of the second round, so, I mean, good on him, his stock went up, uh, he's a dog, right, um, I can't wait to see either of these guys fight again, um, Dan Hooker wound up getting it done again uh, in a decision against Nazrat Hakrodot, um, I was really pulling for Nazrat, right? I, I'm a big Dan Hooker fan. I'm a big fan of anybody who's fighting out of city kickboxing. I think they do a lot of neat stuff. Dan's a really fun guy to watch fighting. Um, but Nazrat's like a little mini Kelvin Gastelum, if you will. It's a lot of fun to watch him fight. And obviously he had the uh, circumstances with his mother dying. And uh, so, <clears throat> you know, you can't help but pull for the guy. You can't help but pull for somebody whenever they have adversity like that that they're that they're pulling through but Dan was just too much that night Chris Dawkins got it done with a TKO against uh Shamil Abdurakimov um you know we're gonna see what happens with Chris Dawkins um he was cop um for forever in a real tough district so it was like a tough guy mentally um got quick hands you know small small in the in the realm of heavyweight thinking <laughs> came in like under 240 or something, you know, not, not humongous. Right. But I mean, you know, there's guys on the come up. I think that's like the archetype for heavyweight these days, like Stipe is under 250. Um, we've got, um, that fella out of, um, uh, England who's on the come up right now, Aspinall, who's a, he's a smaller guy, you know, real good movement with still lots of pop. So, um, you know, I think that we're just seeing the kind of heavyweight division kind of, uh, evolve, right. As it should. Um, Tyler Santos got it done against Roxanne Mataferi. Um, and you know, that's, that's really as probably as far as I'm going to go on this one. Yeah. I mean, no, no real names that anyone's going to jump for. I mean, Nick Maximov, seven and I'm real excited about watching him. He's a guy who's on the come up, right? He would be the, the only person out of all those guys who I would really be like, oh man, we gotta, we gotta move around for. Also, uh, Matthew Semmelsberger got a fucking vicious knockout. Like, was it 15 seconds into round one? Yeah. So um, it was a fun night of fights all around. Really, really, really fun night of fights. Um, You aren't going to catch me complaining about um, UFC 266 at all. Um, But before that, there was um, the UFC fight night, Anthony Smith versus Ryan Spann. Ryan Smith submitted Ryan Spann in the first round. Um, Outclassed him, you know what I'm saying? Man's got like 52 some odd professional fights. Things got heated after the fight too, which was a little odd. Um, you know, Anthony, uh, obviously there was some some shit talk that was going on that obviously Anthony Smith felt disrespected by, uh, by Ryan Spann. And whenever he got that win, he wanted to, uh, you know, get back at Ryan Spann. You know, like that choking him and making him tap wasn't enough. He needed a little more. And, uh, you know, I've never had anything but respect for Anthony Smith. I typically don't like this type of stuff. But, uh, you know, Anthony Smith's an OG in the game. He'll get a legit pass out of me. I'm not going to give him one bit of hard time. Um, he's never been anything but respectful. 
Um, and, you know, even, even after the little flare-up, him and Ryan Spann were super, super polite and respectful moving forward. Um, in the rest of the card, Eon Kute Lava literally fucking broke Devin Clark's face. Um, like, knocked, like, four of his teeth in or some shit on the bottom row. Gruesome. Um, but Devin Clark fought through it. Like, I'm gonna tell you right now, um, if that's me, if I pull out my mouthpiece and, like, my teeth are dangling by skin, I quit. So, Devin Clark's a lot tougher guy than me. Um, I think he fought through, like, I think he fought like that for two whole rounds, too. It's shocking. It's shocking. The, The toughness, the toughness that some of these, that some of these humans display is just out of this world. Um... Ariane Olimsky and Mandy Baum, women flyweights, you know, three-round decision. Um, it was a fun fight, right? I mean, the, the ladies always put on fun fights, but, you know, that's I, I don't really remember much more out of that. Uh, the other thing that's probably, I mean, Armin Tarskirian got a knockout in the first round. Um, Nathan... Maness, I don't know if I'm saying that correctly. Also got a, a knockout in the in the second round. Um, Joaquin Butley, <coughs> Mr. Flashy knockout himself. Got another, got another nice knockout. Um, but the Dirty Bird doesn't have nice things to say about him, and Dirty Bird's an OG, so I don't know where I I don't know where I land on the whole situation with him. Um, there was also another fight night between Brunson and Till. Man, Brunson looked fantastic. Um, went out there and got a third round submission over Darren Till. Darren Till just looks he, he he ain't that guy at middleweight. You know, he's he's a he's a fantastic athlete, but uh it's just like he doesn't have the core strength, right? Like the like the upper thigh, lower abdomen, like core twisty muscles that really you have to have in order to excel in like the grappling situations. He's ain't got it to bang with the upper level wrestlers in the middleweight division of the Derek Brunsons, right? Every time they got into a grappling situation, Derek Brunson was able to um, manipulate Darren Till's body and impose his will upon him, right? And that was the difference in the fight, you know? It's just plain and simple, you know? Uh, it's one of those things where it's like Kelvin Gastelum, right? Kelvin Gastelum, I feel like, could be a champ at 170. And he could be a champ at 185, don't get me wrong, right? But it's just like... This is this is this speaks more to why we need a division between 170 and 185. That 15 pound gap is ridiculous. There's clearly guys who aren't able to compete at their highest level because of this lack of appropriate weight classes for these guys. But I don't want to digress. I know a huge talk about the need for extra weight classes, right? The longer that the UFC holds out on rolling them out, the more money they make in the long term. So they're just gonna roll it out whenever they're like forced to. Um, the co-main was Tom Aspinall versus Sergei Spikov, which I had mentioned Tom Aspinall earlier whenever I was talking about, um, the other heavyweight, the, the cop, not the former cop. Um, and so, yeah, he got a TKO in the first round. I mean, his hands were just so fast and he hit so hard. And I mean, shout out to Sergei. He, uh, came in short notice, right? The, the, the polar bear, he's a, a tough dude, right? Real, real tough dude. Um, came in and took it on short notice, uh, just, you know, took a shot, things didn't quite work out, I don't think his stock necessarily went down terribly, I think the UFC, um, needs heavyweights, I think the UFC likes it whenever people come in on short notice, so, um, yeah, you know, go him, um, Alex Morono got a three-round decision over David Zawada, um, Khalil Roundtree Jr. got a TKO exactly halfway through the second round, 
And this was kind of a controversial thing, right? Um, he got him with that, like, um, forward stomp, like, oblique leg kick type shit. And, uh, it, like, hyperextended his knee. And, you know, it was painful, right? It was very, very painful. Um, a, lot of, a lot of fighters were calling for that strike to be um, banned. I don't know how I feel about it. You know what I'm saying? The whole, the whole point of fighting is to, like, hurt one another grievously, right? Like, you, you really think that, like, that kick to the knee is, like, more impolite than, like, two extra shots on the ground while you're unconscious. Like, it's just... I understand that these people, they want to protect themselves, right? Like, that's their job, right? And, like, if I can avoid that kick proactively by, you know, saying that it shouldn't be a thing and get it made illegal, then you don't have to worry about it, right? I mean, it's clearly, like, a big problem. Um, so, hey, you know, I, I think that it should be allowed, but I also think that 6 to 12 elbows should be allowed. I think a lot of shit should be allowed, right? It's a fight, and the whole point of mixed martial arts is that we're getting to get, like, the most honest representation of what happens whenever these two humans fight. And I feel like uh, the more rules you put on it, the less authentic and the less sincere of a look at who should have won a real fight um, we get. So, you know, I think, uh, yeah, if that guy wants to kick you in the fucking knee, um, you know, do that. You know, they're going to have to, the guys are going to have to start fighting with a more like a Chuck Liddell, traditional mar martial arts, you know, squared up at you type of stance. So that those kicks lose their effectiveness and you gotta, you know, you're just gonna lose a little bit of reach on your front end jab. Or, uh, you know, guys are gonna have to get better at doing like the Dustin Poirier thing where they're, they're constantly, you know, like if, if Dustin Poirier throws uh, from a southpaw stance a one, two, whenever he throws that two, he steps through with his left foot and now he's standing in an orthodox stance. Then he can one, two with his right hand. When he throws that two with his right hand, he steps through and now he's back in. Uh, southpaw stance right and that allows them to cover more ground and it makes it very difficult for people to gauge their leg kicks and again like things like that can throw guys off right and so it's just you know the, the game's evolving right and we're seeing that happen here and now and so um you know I, I'm, I'm here for it i think that it should be a lot um we also got to see patty the baddie pimblet um this guy is like the next conor mcgregor make no mistake about it um <clears throat> he loves to fight right he stands and bangs with boys um but then on top of that he's actually a legit uh submission specialist right like if someone panics and goes to the ground or um you know he hurts somebody and they they dive on a leg or so he goes up against a wrestler who's like i'm just gonna take him down like man in his guard is a, an incredibly dangerous place to be Right, and that's what makes standing in front of him even more dangerous because he doesn't mind if you take him down because you're putting yourself right into the danger zone of him, right? So it's either you, you got to pick which poison you want, right? And so it allows him to be you know, a little more... Oh, it's like how Damien Maya can be anywhere remotely close to effective at striking, right? It's because he knows that no one's ever going to dip their head down and go for a single leg on him because he'll strangle them, right? And Patty kind of has that same swag about him. Um, where you know you you wanna you wanna panic and dip on me? Cool. Like you're, you're I'm gonna I'm gonna take I'm gonna take your arm home. Um. We also there wasn't man there are so many fights between two sixty five and two sixty six. This is crazy. Um. So there was also a fight night: Barboza versus Giga Chikadze, which uh you know Edson Bar uh, excuse me uh. Giga Chikadze uh, got a third-round TKO finish over Edson, 
which is incredible, right? I mean, Edson is is on a little bit of a skid right now, man. I mean, I say that I don't know exactly what his record is, but I know that the the, the recent memory fights are, are him are him losing, and so that doesn't that's not a good that's not a good feeling. Um, Ryan Battle got a submission victory over Gilbert Urbina in the second round. Ricky Turkios got a decision win over Brady Heistat. Damn, this one right here. I remember watching this one. This one, this one's the one that I actually remember the most out of this entire card was Daniel Rodriguez getting a three-round decision over Kevin Lee. Such a big Kevin Lee fan, man. He's got all the physical tools in the world. Just can't seem to get it put together correctly in there in the octagon against these top-level guys. Um, yeah, you know, tough night at the office, man, against Daniel Rodriguez, who, man, he keeps winning. I keep I keep watching him fight, and, like, I, for some reason, don't take him too serious, right? Like, he doesn't, he doesn't have, like, the most amazing physique, you know, and he doesn't have, like, the, the most, like, incredible skill set, right? He's just, like, a tough-ass dude who's going to beat your ass. And he does. I mean, he's 16-2. And, and I don't think I've ever actually seen this man lose whenever I watch him fight. Um, and I definitely had Kevin Lee pick to beat him. Like, for sure, for sure, that it picked 10 times out of 10 for Kevin Lee. Um, and so, you know, Daniel Rodriguez, man, um, I will not be picking against you anymore. Um, yeah, we'll not be picking against you anymore. And, uh, Geralt Mearshat got a submission win over Akhmud Muradov. Um, there was apparently some bad blood here. Um, yeah, apparently the Bear Jew, like, called this guy out. And, yeah, the Bear Jew's, uh, not a dude you want to be, uh, on his hit list with. Um, he's just, a uh, a bad dude, um, for sure, for sure. Um, he, he I, I don't think I've seen him lose in a while either. There was also a fight night between Jared Cannonier and Kelvin Gastelum, which was a fantastic night of fights. Jared Cannonier wound up getting the five-round decision over Kelvin Gastelum. I think the primary difference is that Kelvin Gastelum is like a, like a true, like, 175-er. Like, he's one of those guys who should be in, like, a, a weight class between 170 and 185, so he just kind of is stuck in purgatorial no-man's land with a weight class. And Jared Cannonier is a guy who, like, was knocking fools out at heavyweight up in Alaska-type shit, and so he has, like, the core strength of a athletic 350-pound human being walking around at middleweight. And so, um, again, how, like, the core strength was the differentiating factor between Derek Brunson and Darren Till, in my opinion, I think that quite the same thing was the difference, right? I just think Jared's bigger, stronger guy, more effective strikes because he could take a punch better and those bigger punches because he's got a bigger, stronger core on him from walking around as a as an athletic heavyweight. There, the co-main was uh, Clay Guida and Mark Madsen, which Mark Madsen's 11-0. Um, I'm not a fan, bro. He got, like, all crunk whenever he won. It was a split decision, man. Like, he split decision to a guy who's got, like, a hundred fights. Like, you know, come on, man. It just, it, just, it just wasn't aggressive enough for me, man. His whole style isn't aggressive enough for me. Um, you know, I understand it wins in fights, right? But, like, I'm not, I'm not here for watching people win fights. I'm here for watching people whoop ass. I'd literally rather watch Daniel Rodriguez fight fucking three times before I'd watch Mark Madsen fight again. 
you know, Mark Madsen, love you, bud. You're a fantastic athlete. You're going to keep winning fights. It's not an entertaining fighting style. You know, there, there is an aspect of entertainment that's involved here. Um, you know, and I understand the wrestling. It's not like I, you know, don't see what's going on there. And it's just at some point there's a, a fewer instances of action, right? Like, you, oh, well, you, you denied that. Uh, attempted transition or you denied that attempted sweep or like you progressed a position and you finally threw a couple strikes you know what I'm saying it's like it's all cool it's all appreciable right but there's so many fewer instances of things to appreciate whenever there's that level of just like laying praying going on as as compared to most other fights that you know we're accustomed to seeing at the UFC's level you know, I'm not going to go into any of those other fights. Um, these are all pretty, you know, low, whoever type of fights, filler fights. Um, I do want to point out uh, that Yoel Romero lost his debut against uh, Phil Davis in uh, Bellator. It was a split decision, so it's not like it was some, like, overwhelming loss. But, I mean, Yoel just doesn't use his wrestling and he got taken down and Bill Davis controlled the center of the octagon and just like won the fight you know this is what it is man it's like a traditional Yoel Romero loss at this point almost I mean it was a little shocking to see him get taken down but it's like he's just like he sits back and like waits for this explosion and he just never does it he's like he's like trigger shy almost I don't know I wish I'd I wish he'd pick someone up and slam him for the fucking canvas like we all know he's capable of. I want to see him slam somebody, get on top of him, and elbow him, right? I don't know if it's like, you know, I think that maybe it's like he, he wants to be an entertaining fighter, right? And so he's like wants to stand and fight, and like he's trying to be conscientious of the thing that I was just talking about being the thing that I don't like about Mark Madsen and his fighting style. But it's like, man, you can take people down and be exciting. It's just be exciting when you do it. I don't know. Either way. Um, you know, there are a whole bunch of other fights on here in the Bellator card. Um, you know, nothing, nothing real crazy. There are a couple Gracies on the card. There's Neiman Gracie, um, got a TKO over Mark Leminger. Um, yeah, yeah, that's all I'm really going to go into on the Bellator card. Um, some PFL stuff happened, uh, Mega Millions. Mavlid Kababayev or whatever his name is. I can't even say it, but they call him Magam Millions. Um, he made it into the the PFL championship spot um, with a win over number one seed, Brandon Lonanane. Lonanane? I don't know exactly how to say that. I'm sorry for the disrespect. It's been a while since so I watched the fight. This is a little while ago. Uh, and then also uh, Chris Wade made his way into the championship fight with a win over Bubba Jenkins. And so um, that's everything that's really happened on in the way of fighting here as of recent. Let's uh, take a look at what's to come. Bear with me for just a second while I pull up this appropriate information. Uh, so the next set of fights is Santos versus Johnny Walker, which is going to be fantastic, right? Tiago Santos, always exciting. Johnny Walker, always exciting. No way it's a bad fight. We got uh, Kevin Holland versus Kyle Dawkins. Oh, that's going to be a great fight. Oh, what a great fight. Kevin Holland, big mouth, always talking shit. Kyle Dawkins um, is a very um, talented fellow who's going to bring it. 
Oh, we have Alex Oliveira and Nico Price, bro. Cowboy Oliveira is a game-ass opponent, and Nico Price is a madman. He'll knock you out with hammer fists from the bottom, up kicks from the ground, bucking all kinds of weird shit, man. I've seen this guy do some wild stuff. Oh, man, and then Nisha Serkinov and Christoph Jocko. That's a good fight. Yeah, it's a good fight. Then we've got Aspen Ladd versus uh, Macy Chison. I don't know if I said that correctly, but I know I've seen both these girls fight, and they're both dogs. So they're going to go in there and fight it out real well. Um, and Alexander Hernandez and Mike Breeden. I don't know too much about Mike Breeden, but I know I've seen Alexander Hernandez fight. Um, I think he fought Cowboy, a few other guys. So he, he's on the come up, right? Um, but I don't know too terribly much about him. Um, then there's a fight night, Dern versus Rodriguez. Another fight night, Holm versus Dumont. Another fight night, Costa versus Vittori. And then 267s coming up on October 30th with uh, Jan Blakowicz versus Glover Teixeira uh, as the headliner there. And so, um, you know, we got a little time between now and the next time we get together, guys. But, um, you know, I'll, I'll be talking to you guys, um, you know, start of November. Um, and so I really, really appreciate everybody for tuning in. This is Joshua Barnett with Armchair MMA. I appreciate y'all listening. Catch you next time.